Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak, episode 36. I am Eric Goslin, and of course, joining me from Austin, Texas, the one and only Mr. Mike Price. How are you, sir? I'm great. Happy Halloween. I know this episode yeah. is coming out on Monday, the 2nd. Is that election day? It's the day or before. Tuesday? It is election day, day Eve for our listeners. Okay. But for you and me, <laughs> it is Halloween, baby. It is. Yeah, we're recording on actual Halloween. Uh, and so this might be the spookiest episode of all time of Killstreak. <laughs> Let's hope. Until next Halloween. Let us, let us hope it is not as cursed as, uh, well, we now have a ghost episode. We've joined. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's just, this is my fault, folks at home. But if you were looking for our uh, live commentary of Freaked with the amazing Whitney Moore this past Thursday. Uh, we have joined all those great podcasts that have lost an episode. Uh, I lost some audio files. They were corrupted and I, I bear full responsibility, but uh, well, you'll never hear it. It's, it's gone. It's lost a time. <laughs> There's Eric. Wait, put that up to the mic. What, what's that? Yeah. The price is, uh, was wrong on this one. Yep. <laughs> All right, great. Yeah, do you want to do it one, yep. one more time? Yep. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I get the full uh, the full effect in there. I wanted to, yeah, everyone to hear your shame. Mm-hmm. I'm deeply well, shamed. It it sucks. It was a really. I mean, I hate to talk about it so much, <laughs> but it was a fun episode. Yeah. Uh, but what we apologize to Whitney. We'll get her back on whenever yeah. we can. Um, yeah, well, we'd like to have her back soon if she will agree to it. I would understand if she never wants to speak to me again. Um, yeah, I mean, her and I are friends, so <laughs> she'll probably want to talk to me. Yeah, uh-huh. but maybe we could replace mm-hmm. you for an episode. Sure, I will say uh, for all any of you really weird kill streak completists out there, uh, like we do have all of Eric and Whitney's audio, and you have a fifty percent of mine. So if you really. Uh-huh. You can you can tweet at us, send us a DM if you really want. I'll send you a, a an insane Release the price cut. Yeah, this insane <laughs> cut where I just stop talking halfway through the movie and then Eric and Whitney are talking to no one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're just we're talking to each other or responding to a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyways, on yeah, to, on to guys, greener pastures, right? We are excited about today because today marks the first episode of our Evil Dead series, mm-hmm. uh, one of our favorite franchises here at Killstreak. And today we're talking all things The Evil Dead yeah. from 1981. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. And I will say that there's a ton of rich history and behind-the-scenes stuff uh, for this mm-hmm. whole series and and certainly the first movie as well and i'm gonna do my best to try to kind of dole that out over the course of the whole month um Mm -hmm. you know because i i i'll just say right at the top that um if you want a ton of awesome insight into these movies bruce campbell's biography if chins could kill Mm -hmm. uh is honestly like it's it's a great movie if you it's a great book i should say if you're interested in making independent films uh, have you read it, Eric? Yeah, I'm looking behind me. I might uh-huh. have an autographed copy in this very room with me, if if it survived the college years. Because uh, <laughs> I did, I bought it in college. I got him to sign it at a 
mm-hmm. some bookstore in Cambridge, and it was my first celebrity sighting, like first time meeting a celebrity. Yeah, and like what a celebrity to meet, like an absolute hero of mine at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was very cool. Yeah, I would say that if you don't have the money for film school, but you want to just make a movie with your friends, the cheapest film school I can recommend is read If Chins Could Kill and All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger by friend of the podcast, yes. Lloyd Kaufman and James Gunn. Another, uh, I have that book also autographed behind me somewhere. Yeah, that that book. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's book is invaluable for independent filmmakers. Like, absolutely invaluable. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, in in Bruce Campbell's book, it just, this was a real scrappy production, Mm -hmm. The the Evil Dead, and it's really, really fun reading about all, like, these inventive tricks they used. And we'll get into it as Mm -hmm. as we get into the movie itself. Um, But I want to know, Price, for you, Mm -hmm. what was your entry into the Evil Dead series? Um, I don't think this is terribly uncommon but the first evil dead movie that i watched was evil dead 2 dead by dawn okay Um, and i think that that is because i will say that i almost saw army of darkness first uh i had a friend who was a neighbor who lived three doors down his name was matt winky shout out matt winky i haven't seen him since Mm -hmm. i was like nine um but he was going to see it with some friends and invited me and I was like getting ready to leave. And this is Army of Darkness in the theater. So I was wow. I was nine years old at the time. And Army of Darkness came out in like 91, 92. 90, yeah. And 92. I knew nothing about it other than it was it had skeletons and medieval times. And I was like, sweet. And then my parents found out what I was going to see and like literally yanked me out of the backseat of the Winkies car as I was like on my way to the theater. It's <laughs> oh, no. like, this is bullshit. Um, and so I didn't end up seeing Army of Darkness until after. Uh, but Evil Dead 2 was like, it was one of those like almost hallowed film viewings where I had a friend who I've mentioned on the podcast before who will not be named because I've said some not as nice things about him, but he is a working Hollywood actor um, who uh, stopped being friends with me because I wasn't famous. Um, Dang. And, but I went to go visit him in, in Manhattan when I was like 12. And we, it was like a thing that we watched this handful of cult or just very adult movies that I was not allowed to watch with my parents, but his parents didn't give a shit mm-hmm. about anything. So like over the course of a week, I saw Clockwork Orange. I saw Pulp Fiction for the first time. Uh, I saw Evil Dead 2, um, wow. and it blew my mind. And I think that's because, I mean, that's, I think, a little bit more of, like, the cult hit one, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think so. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I'm, I was trying to think about it before um, we, we recorded. In my memory, I don't know if this is accurate, I think I saw Army of Darkness first. Okay. Um, because it was on... It was on like HBO or whatever, like premium cable network around the time when we were young. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. I'd have been like, you know, you were nine, I probably 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And it was, I remember there's so many advertisements for it in the back of comic books. Sure. Um, there's like, it was very heavily ad- advertised in comic books and like video game magazines in my memory. 
And so I think I saw that one first, not completely understanding what it was I was seeing, other than that it was like fun. Right. But not realizing it was like part three of mm-hmm. a trilogy. Yeah. And then um, I think I saw Evil Dead 2 last, to be honest, out of all of them. Because I think I, I, after that, when I started getting into horror movies proper, I just started from the beginning and rented the first one, gotcha. this one okay. that we're going to talk about. And uh, similarly, it it blew my fucking mind. Like I, it, it, I don't know if it's the, my favorite of the, of the trilogy mm. now. It's the one I've seen the most, I think for sure. Cause I ended up owning it on VHS. Okay. Um, and then just like watching it a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it really blew my little mind wide open when I, <laughs> when I saw it, just how like graphic it was yeah. and how inventive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw part two last. Sure. Uh, and also really loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, you know, at least in my head canon, one has always been my favorite for some reason. I, okay. I don't know if that's going to withstand the yeah. test of this, what we're about to do, mm-hmm. but my mind is, is wide open in regards to that question right now. Yeah. Mine too. Because I think that, um, like, so for me, the one that I've seen the most by far is army of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for whatever reason, just like uh, the full on embrace of comedy in that movie, like really mm-hmm. appealed to me as a teenager. Uh, I really yes. did like Dead by Dawn a lot. Um, and it was very close, but it was just there was there's something there's like an absurdity in a in a sort of like uh, a kind of cult humor that runs through Army of Darkness that I th- I'm curious to see how well it is aged for me. I mean, although I've seen the movie in bits and pieces over the past few years, um, but I don't think I've sat down for a full viewing in, you know, five or seven years, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to explain like the, you know, <laughs> what really appeals to like a 13, 14 year old, but it's Ash. Yeah. Ash it- really appeals to, I was thinking about that as we were, uh, as I was mm-hmm. watching, the uh, pilot episode of Ash versus the Evil Dead, right? Which I had a ton of fun watching. Mm-hmm. We'll get it. We'll probably cover that a little bit in For our sure. wrap up episode. Yeah, we will. Um, but I was really thinking about Ash as a character as I was watching it, mm-hmm. and how <laughs> I love. I like how in that show they pr- they are. He's a little bit pathetic. Yeah, I was thinking back. I'm like, I guess he's always kind of been a little bit pathetic. He moves in that direction slowly but consistently over the course of the whole series, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't think I really was super picked up on that. Mm -hmm. I don't think I picked up on that as much when I was a teenager watching it. I was like, oh, Ash is just cool. Mm -hmm. He says funny things. Yeah. And he shoots, you know, skeletons with a shotgun arm. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, like, as an adult, I'm like, it is funny the what what horror movies think a cool dude is mm-hmm. is not really a cool dude at all to like right. what 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 I think a cool guy mm-hmm. is like Ash is like funny he, he he's a little pathetic now especially in evil like Ash versus the Evil Dead he's like washed up a bit right. but he's still like a ladies man which is like oh there's that old Ash that everybody <laughs> thinks is so cool but like yeah. even now I'm like that's not that cool right <laughs> Snake Pliston's cool yeah being Pliston. a ladies man isn't that cool when you hit, reach a certain age and then yeah like, exactly eventually you turn a corner and you're like I kind of feel bad for ladies men you know that yeah, sort yeah. of thing exactly um, but yeah I don't I mean I'm not gonna 
I'm not going to spend a lot of the listeners' time trying to like establish my bona fides, bona fides, as some people like to say. <laughs> but all I will say as like a blanket statement is that I don't think you could truly overstate how much hero worship I had for Bruce Campbell, specifically Ash as a character, mm-hmm. probably during most of my teenage years, from like 13 to 17. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my like very first email address was like badash96 at prodigy.net. You know, it was. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it's wow. literally I was 13, 13 years old. And I was like, yeah, badash. That's my that's how what I identify with. And um, yeah, and specifically with Army of Darkness, but also Evil Dead 2. And I will say that for the context of today's episode, for me, the one that always did fall by the wayside was this one was the first mm-hmm. I saw it not that long after I had seen the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I watched Evil Dead 2, and then maybe a week later I, I rented Army of Darkness because I was like, oh, well, if there's a sequel that immediately carries over from the ending of the second one, I have to see it. And yeah. then the first one was just, it was darker, and it was a little less impressive from a production standpoint. And I think as as a younger person, I just didn't appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm like interested to talk about it now. Um, but yeah, I like fucking worshipped Bruce Campbell. Like I have seen so many movies for no other reason than Bruce Campbell is in it in a cameo role. Sure. Yeah. Like literally I did that as a teenager where it was like, okay, I have to watch fucking Crime Wave because not because Sam mm-hmm. Raimi directed it. I didn't even care. I didn't care about Sam Raimi at the time. I was just like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I heard Bruce Campbell's in that movie for three minutes. Um, You know, I'm trying to think of other examples like his TV work. I loved like Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. I was like obsessive about. I watched uh, I would literally watch just Autolycus episodes of Hercules, the Legendary Journeys and Xena Warrior Princess. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And, And it is funny how much of like my love for Bruce Campbell, I realize after the fact is also like, I loved the creative output of Sam Raimi because they just kind of go hand in hand. Um, but, uh, but yeah. Wasn't it Bruce Campbell? I'm, I'm Googling it now. Yeah. His episode of the X-Files. I remember like really mm-hmm. loving um, and thinking it was super cool that he was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think my introduction to Bruce Campbell was Briscoe County Jr. <laughs> <laughs> just like watching that not even really knowing who this guy was. And I thought he was so fucking cool. He's, he's like, he's a handsome guy. Yeah. He's not afraid to look dumb. He's very charming. Yeah. He's very charming. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me of my, I mean, this is like maybe too, too much information. He reminds me of my dad a little bit. Um, okay. So like, they're not like dead ringers or anything, but I think if you looked at pictures of my dad from the eighties and then looked at Bruce Campbell in, in the evil dead movies, I think you'd see uh, some resemblance. And, wow, I didn't know your dad was a hottie. Uh, yeah, no, my dad was a good-looking guy back in the day. He's still, a, I mean, for a guy in his sixties, he's pretty good-looking. He doesn't know it though. He's got a, he's got a harness. What and that's what makes him, what potentially that's has what makes him so attractive is he doesn't, <laughs> he's modest about it. No, no, it's not. I swear, I promise you. <laughs> uh, is there anything else overarching you want to say about Bruce, about uh, Evil Dead, about Sam Raimi before we jump into our blood and guts check? No, I don't think so. Uh, I was just thinking about Raimi a little bit mm-hmm. um, before this. And 
I don't know that I'm a like I'm not a big Sam Raimi head mm-hmm. other than the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Like I don't think I've I've never seen Dark Man, which I think oh, is embarrassing. I think I you're gonna have to watch. fix that this month. Yeah. Yeah, I think I will. Um it's it's always been like if it's late night movie time mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, oh, I should watch Dark Man. And then I see it's a, maybe it's like an hour forty seven minutes or something like that. Sure, yeah. And then I'm like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not right now. Uh, well, let me um, ask you this: uh, Did mm-hmm. did you? I know I for another podcast watched The Quick and the Dead last month. Did you watch that one as well? Right. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it recently. I I got to watch it again for that podcast that we're being coy about, even though we bring it up every episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have seen it though in the past. Uh-huh. Um, about before I even really like knew who Sam Raimi was. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get plenty of opportunities to talk about Sam Raimi and his catalog over the course of the next four episodes. So why don't we mm. dive in and let's talk explicitly for a while about 1981's The Evil Dead. Yes. Uh, why don't I put it to you first? Blood and guts check, Eric. How did you feel about this movie? Um, I was a little bit, not dreading, dreading's not the right word. Uh-huh. Uh, I was a little bit apprehensive to watch it again. Mm-hmm. last night or whenever i watched it because i have actually just recently rewatched it with probably within the last year so i was like yeah it's okay. gonna be kind of not boring just repetitive maybe. I, yeah repetitive <laughs> but i fell right back into it mm-hmm. and i i um i think when i watched it the last time it was my wife's first time uh seeing it mm-hmm. and i was a little bit more it's like, oh, this movie kind of moves slow at first. Yeah. And I could tell she was getting a little restless. Mm-hmm. And then once once shit starts popping off, right. it was, she yeah. was into it. Uh, so, yeah, I had a great time watching it this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and reminded me why I've always loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a really great movie. And I, I would pose this question to you and to the audience mm-hmm. at large. Is this movie, The Evil Dead, is this, at least in the realm of like horror and genre pictures, is this the best case scenario for low-budget independent filmmaking? Yeah. I mean, I would say also Night of the Living Dead, but like this is way more inventive and way more Mm -hmm. uh, stylish. Right. Yes. It probably is the best case scenario independent filmmaking or like horror filmmaking yeah i was thinking about it a lot over the last couple days and it's just like i mean i who who knows how many people this inspired to try and just go make a movie on their own but it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's a double-edged sword because like i think any i I don't know i i'm i want to hear people's call outs for like who 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 what film make what film that came in the aftermath of this does it better uh mm-hmm. on a shoestring budget in in the way that this movie is clearly just a bunch of friends and honestly they're fucking kids like yeah like it makes me <laughs> feel so inadequate to yeah. realize that that they were like 20 when they made this movie mm-hmm. um and it's just, yeah. And again, I think you pointed to like the story is fun, uh, but it's not like I think that's where Night of the Living Dead kind of has has their number in that it's like more groundbreaking as a plot and as a um, 
You know, just having They're, the characters are pretty well defined. Yeah, character development. It has more to say. This movie doesn't have anything to say, really. No, no, it uh, does not. It's just it's just pure entertainment, but it's like the ingenuity that goes into the technical aspects of making this movie, and like how uh, impactful it is just as like a visceral viewing experience. I think is kind of unmatched at this. Mm-hmm. At this level of budget and like production, it's crazy what they were able to accomplish. It's crazy, and they have so many tricks up their sleeves in mm-hmm. this movie. They're like, I, I always forget about the fucking stop motion animation shit. Yeah, at the end, it's awesome. You know, it's like, I loved it. It's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It just it, Sam Raimi just. I mean, and I'm sure in his collab and his collaborators, they're just fucking geniuses. Like, yeah, it's there's no stopping him at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this guy is going to be a great filmmaker. He already is. Yeah, he already made a a, a, a really interesting creative movie on a shoestring budget. Shoestring budget. <laughs> um, I just watched last night. Mm-hmm. I rewatched Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, and I had forgotten. I hadn't seen that since it came out, and I loved it then. Loved it again. It's great. Uh, I had forgotten how much that it borrows from the Evil Dead mm-hmm. it's set up, and even like. Uh, there's one, at one point they're like it's party time and then the trap door in the basement flies open <laughs> which is basically exactly what happens in this movie yeah yeah uh cabin in the woods is great and for anybody who's not familiar it's like a movie that plays very much with the genre tropes of horror and it like mm-hmm. takes inspiration from a lot of movies but it builds its entire foundation around the evil dead uh, like first yes. and foremost, and then it spins out into a lot of other stuff. And if you guys haven't seen it and you like this podcast, you should see it soon. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's it's it really holds up. Yeah. Um, man. Okay, there's so much to talk about here. Something. Let's go ahead. Can yeah. we start with the budget? I want to ask yeah. what the budget was because we've brought it up a couple times. Okay, so I think in order to talk about the budget, I want to talk really briefly about how this production came to be. Um, and I, I'll break, I'll break all my spiel into different parts so we can touch on different things. But one of the things that is very funny to me, and I actually wanted to ask you this, you just watched the beginning of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I'm watching it too, but I'm in the middle of the second season and I watched the first season a couple of years ago. Do mm-hmm. they reshoot anything from the first movies? Do they recycle footage from the first movies? I was paying attention mm-hmm. to that. It seemed like, um... They do replay stuff from part two. Okay. Uh, but I couldn't really pick out any specific things from part one. Gotcha. Okay. So then I think one of the best amusing little trivia tidbits are just like weird idiosyncrasies of the Evil Dead series is that the the fundamental, like the core story element of this movie, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Robert Tapert have shot it four times. <laughs> they have they they have refilmed this same concept four different times. Wow. Because The Evil Dead is born initially as a proof of concept short film called Within the Woods that they did in the in the 70s, in 1978, mm-hmm. okay? Then it gets remade into a full-length feature that is this movie, The Evil Dead, right? Mm-hmm. And then pretty famously Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, is a sort of remake slash sequel to this film that 
that uh, canonically sort of ignores the element, like the events of the first movie and replays them over the first half or so of Evil Dead 2, right? Mm -hmm. And then Army of Darkness in its intro has new footage and old footage from Evil Dead 2, but it also has new footage that they shot for Army of Darkness with a new actress who is, um, what's her name, from Bridget Fonda. Um, And so they shot, like, Cabin in the Woods, Evil Dead, like, Ash battling the Evil Dead in this cabin. They've shot it four times. It's it's, That's so funny. Yeah. Um, But to answer your initial question, yeah, so they shot this short film for, like, 1600 bucks uh and it was crazy uh and they kind of shopped it around and you know to make a long story short you can learn all about this stuff in bruce campbell's book and the information's out there on the internet too i'm not going to bore you guys with all the details but they were able to spin their proof of concept film out into this and they were going after about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is what ramey had said he needed for the budget to shoot this movie um they basically begged, stole, and borrowed from anybody they could. A lot of family, a lot of people. I know there was like a dentist, uh, mm. or or is that is that Night of the Living Dead? Is am I am I uh, mixing up my? No, no, no. I think I think that's right. Mm. I was going mm, because in Lloyd Kaufman's book, uh-huh. uh, he says always hit up dentists <laughs> for, for money to make movies. Yeah, because. Because they make a ton of money, right? And they all want to be producers for some reason. Yeah, I might like be combining these two in my head because uh, both those books have some similar traits. But anyways, they you know just small business people from their like town in Michigan and stuff. They managed mm-hmm. to cobble together about ninety thousand bucks, and that's what they started shooting with. Uh, now, over the course of post production and distribution, they were able to raise more money as things went along, and it seemed like they had a usable movie. And so I think the final budget is listed at somewhere between like three and four hundred thousand dollars. But but they set out to make this movie like they launched into production with less than a hundred grand. Wow. And this is we're talking film here. Yeah. Like not. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying Mm -hmm. we're talking film here. So that's in and of of itself Mm -hmm. is probably the majority of the of where the money's going. Well, so one thing to keep in mind is that they did not shoot on 35 millimeters. Um, mm-hmm. so they saved some money there by, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say they shot on 16, but that it sounds right. might've yeah. even been eight. I'm not positive, but yeah, they, they, but they blew it up to 35 millimeter for distribution. Um, mm-hmm. so that's one way to save a little bit of money. And the other way is just to do absolutely everything themselves. And that's what the production of this movie was. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, go ahead. I would say, uh, in my memory, weren't they living in the cabin as well as shooting there? Yeah, yeah, they. It's got to be miserable. Yeah, they were in Tennessee, living in the cabin, multiple people sleeping in each room. Um, I mean, I, just the stories are awful. Like, but like in that kind of fun way, um, mm-hmm. that it's like everybody remembers it fondly, um, because you know it turned out so well. But I think that if this movie had not been as popular as it was, like there would be so much bitterness just because like it sounds like it was absolutely awful. Um, If you don't mind, I have a really quick excerpt from from If Chins Could Kill. This is Bruce Campbell just talking about the first day of shooting. 
Uh, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but uh, he says a couple of things here. This is day one. Within minutes of leaving for the first location, which is the abandoned bridge, the production van got lost and they spent an hour trying to find it. Then as soon as they found it, Sam drove his car into a ditch and they had to wait around for hours to get a tow truck to haul it out. <laughs> Same first day, their next location, they're on a dirt road. So Ramey wants a high wide shot, but they didn't have a crane and they didn't have permission to shoot on any particular locations. They were just out there doing it. So he hops a fence, gets up to set up a camera on a tree and then gets run down by a bull. There's literally <laughs> like everyone's like, hey, Sam, there's a bull. And he's like, yeah, hold on. Trying to get the shot. And he's like, no, seriously, there's a bull coming at you. And he had to like run away from an angry bull. Holy uh, shit. And then later, a couple hours later, uh, one of the guys who's scouting a location falls off a cliff. Um <laughs> is is well enough to walk away from it but ends up going to the hospital later for some tests and that's all the first day of shooting um wow and it's just like people were getting sick they're getting hurt uh like you know the effects fucked up people's eyes and faces and it's just like i mean it's awful and it's also so much fun to hear about at the same time and like you could never get away with it now but it was Am I misremembering that Bruce got that the scar on his chin from the set of this movie, or did he already have that? I believe that's a childhood thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I do. Rem- I, th- I remember some story where he got nailed in the face with a camera or something at some point. I think it his. might be from another Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell production. So they were childhood friends, and they had been okay. shooting stuff together since they were literally kids. Um, wow. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so this whole movie came out of that proof of concept for Within the Woods. And um, just like I think, like we'll talk more about the production and stuff uh, as we talk about the movie. Because there's so many cool camera tricks they do and special effects tricks and that sort of stuff. But one thing that's I think worth everybody noting is that I think part of the reason that this movie blew up the way that it did was because of how they handled distribution which is once it was done and they had a film to show people, they actually like Raimi really wanted to do kind of like a touring type premiere where they would Mm -hmm. just, they didn't do a distribution at first. They just took the movie from city to city and would host screenings. And he tried to do these like sort of almost like uh, it was inspired by an old horror director named William Castle, but he would do like gimmicks. Mm. Like if anybody's ever seen that John Goodman movie matinee where it's like, blasting air in the theater and having like dry ice smoke and like people sneaking up on the crowd and stuff. And they would just like book out these big theaters and go around the country just to build up word of mouth about the movie. And Mm -hmm. eventually when they got distribution, it was through a a guy named Irvin Shapiro who they already knew from within the woods. Uh, And he was involved in the founding of, of the con film festival. So he basically got them, not into competition at con, but just got them a screening during the week there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, like the sort of fateful story of the success of Evil Dead is, you know, the person who was present at that particular screening, right? Do you know this backstory? Uh, I, I, I'm not remembering, but I have a guess. Yeah, go ahead and guess. Is it Roger Ebert? No, no. Oh, dang. It is. Because I, I know my boy liked it. Yeah, he did. But at this particular con screening is Stephen King. Um, Oh, and King fucking loved it. 
uh, and the U- in USA Today, uh, when they d- they did an article with King about his favorite movies, and this is like before full distribution, and he cited Evil Dead as one of his favorite horror films ever. Um, wow! Yeah, and he gave them the pull quote that it is the most ferociously original film of the year, which they used on all the posters and all the, the promotional pieces. And yeah, my my apologies. Actually, that was what I was thinking of was that pull quote, and I forgot yeah. who it was credited to. Yeah, that's okay. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to remember, but <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, a lot of people also think that that really just this like this event of King going to this screening and then giving the rave review is a big part of why the movie was so successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it ended up. Um, make doing a pretty good theatrical run. It made uh, about two and a half million dollars, but really, like all the movies in this series, it really makes its its money as a sort of cult, you know, VHS favorite. Yeah, and also two and a half mil for you know what might have ballooned up to half a million dollar budget mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Um. And yeah, it's like it, this makes their career then. Right. So it's like without this movie, uh, you know, this is what makes Sam Raimi. This is what makes Bruce Campbell. And then there's this whole universe of other Campbell taper Raimi kind of co-productions. They formed to make this a production company called Renaissance Pictures, which is still around. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are all founders of it. And I don't know, you know, who's actually working from day to day, probably none of them really, but probably none of them anymore. Yeah. But I mean, they produced dark man. They produced, uh, you know, obviously all the evil dead movies. They produced Hercules and Xena. Um, wow. They must've made a killing off of just those two. You know what else they produced? Time cop. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um yeah and hard target um so nice yeah and then obviously they're they're responsible for the current or not current but the recent series ash versus evil dead which we'll touch on later on but uh yeah i don't know do you want to toss anything out there or just any feelings about you know i think as an independent filmmaker yourself i have to Mm -hmm. imagine that when you guys were starting to make movies in college and maybe even before that like this has got to be on your radar as like the kind of oh, the North yeah. star of all of that. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This and night of the living dead were like two of my mm-hmm. biggest, at least motivations to want to make movies mm-hmm. just in, but also like being shamed by both of them because they're so good <laughs> and, and so successful in my, in touch. Like, yeah, I, I, sir, am no Sam Raimi. <laughs> so I had to, I uh, don't have the drive that he does. Right. Um, and it shows. <laughs> Here I am, 40 years old. And, hey. Uh, <laughs> you've made more um, movies than I have. Hey, hey, you don't, you never fucking forget that. Okay. No, but there is, it's funny watching, watching Evil Dead. Uh, there's like shit that's straight out of that we used in Yeti one. Uh-huh. Like, a sequence where Joe Mandy is just running through the woods, like pursued by something he can't see mm-hmm. and just ends up getting, keeps getting impaled by trees <laughs> <laughs> like that. It's like, Oh yeah, that's clearly, we just took that from evil dead. Yeah. That, that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. In in reading his book, reading Bruce's book was just like, you know, mind blowing. Yeah. To me, of like, Oh, they got all this done on so little. Right. So therefore we could do that too. Uh yeah no it's uh, both th- this movie was a huge influence on on myself and yeah. I know 
the people I've I've made movies with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know as we launch into this whole series uh, for this month of November, like you know, there will be so many things that I'll wish I had said a month from now and a year from now when we covered these movies. And I think that's just the way it's going to be because like, this is like, I mean, we talk about Mount Rushgore, right? But like for, Mm -hmm. for kill streak, I think if there is for us as hosts, if there is a Mount Rushgore of just horror franchises, uh, this is on it for me. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. So this is, this is one of the big uh, touchstones of of what we what we like and and my fandom of horror in general. Like a lot of it is born in this series. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to talk about all of them. I'm excited to watch them all. Have an excuse to watch them all. Yeah. Um. Okay, guys, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and uh, recap this this little movie. I don't know why I had to call it little. <laughs> It's it's no Yeti another love story life on the streets. <laughs> okay. Uh we got a pretty cool title card. Red text. It looks like it's underwater. It's all wavy. Mm. I appreciate a nice um practical effect on a title card. Yeah, we're gonna bring that back. I mean, I know yeah. it probably costs way more money than using motion graphics. But... And it, we definitely ripped this off for a movie that I made in college called <laughs> The Caregiver. This this effect. Anywho's, uh, we get that famous, really like a touchstone of the series, mm-hmm. that tracking shot through the woods mm-hmm. with the creepy music playing and the, the, those creepy sounds. Like, and uh, do you have any insight into how they how they were able to accomplish all of these tracking shots through the woods? Yeah, I mean, let's just blow the doors open on this right now. Let's do it. So this is the famous Raimi shaky cam. Um, mm-hmm. and for the majority of the shots in this movie, it is a camera nailed down to a piece of a two by four with two guys <laughs> holding each end and running through the forest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are also some shots where they mounted it to a bicycle and rode through the forest. Um, wow. but it's just like, yeah, it's, there isn't some big secret to it so much as they're just like, yeah, we can't afford the things that a regular production would use. They can't afford an actual steady cam rig. They say, fuck mm-hmm. it, fuck it. Okay, we'll make something for ourselves. You know? It's great. Yeah. And that this was a huge in like influence on anything I've ever done mm-hmm. movie making wise. And uh, you know, you use like wheelchairs. You find a wheelchair right. and use it as a dolly instead mm-hmm. of dolly track. And you know, you just find yeah. creative ways to mm-hmm. to Get the shots that you want to get. It's fucking great. Yeah. Another another noteworthy one uh, is like they didn't have a traditional slider, which a camera would move across, similar to a dolly, a little less uh, intensive. And so they they called it. it was, I think it was referred to as the Vaso Cam, where they literally just <laughs> use pieces of wood and Vaseline to like replicate the smooth sliding motion of a professional like mm-hmm. metal slider. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I, this, what, what I'm about to say is the craziest note I've ever written because I think I must've had a stroke while I was writing it. I was, I had, I went onto the Wikipedia page uh-huh. and I just wrote down all the character names okay. and their relations to each other. So I can just get it out right now. Okay. And this is what I wrote. Ash, Linda, his girlfriend, Linda, his sister, Scott and Scott's girlfriend, Linda are driving in rural Tennessee. <laughs> 
I did that. Eric's brain I truly broke. Don't know how I did that. I wrote. I called every woman Linda. Uh, Malkovich. <laughs> so they're head. It's but it's actually uh, Scott's girlfriend is Shelly. Mm-hmm. Cheryl is Ash's sister. His yeah. girlfriend is Linda. They're driving to rural Tennessee, headed to a cabin. Um, kind of going sight unseen. Uh, they're looking at a map and they're like, where, where are we? And he's like, well, we just crossed the Tennessee border, which would put us, which would put us right here. Suddenly something jerks the wheel. They narrowly avoid getting hit by a logging truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's famous, not, not a good start to, uh, what will turn out to be not a good trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had some notes here in the car. They're just, especially because I have been watching on and off for the last week to bone up for this month, uh, Ash versus evil dead, which, mm-hmm. you know, features a Bruce Campbell in his late fifties. Um, and he is so fucking young. Uh, mm-hmm. his haircut is terrible. Uh, <laughs> and in the very first shot, I'm confused as to whether or not he maybe has a unibrow. He definitely has a yeah. unibrow. I made a note of it at mm-hmm. one point. Mm-hmm. There's a close-up of him. He has a fucking unibrow. Yeah, okay, great. So I'm not alone in that. And then the other thing, too, that was just making me you know, reflect on the inexorable march of time and what it does to bodies is <laughs> like his voice is notably much higher. Uh, it is. Then it is even in like the later, like even in an army of darkness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy to just think about that, how it's like, yeah, you, even though you're a, a technically an adult, it's like his voice is so much lower now. Yeah. There's, there's really not much of a similarity between Ash in this movie and Ash in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Like none of the coolness is in this version of Ash. He's yeah. kind of a chicken shit in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it is interesting. Yeah. It, I, his voice is just, sounds higher he sounds like a kid yeah uh so ash and the fought in the five lindas <laughs> <laughs> they're heading to this te- this uh cabin and all the girls are freaked out because they haven't seen it yet and like oh it might be a little run down they drive over this rickety ass bridge which immediately starts collapsing mm-hmm. um, ash is like this thing is solid as a rock and the tire punches through the fucking bridge <laughs> boards falling into the river it's classic. uh really great tracking shot following the car i don't know how they it's like high, it's high up mm-hmm. my guess is that they just like had the camera on a pole and were like in a car behind it or something i'm not really sure how they got that yeah i mean i imagine that's that's yeah. probably about how they did it uh we hear this ominous banging sound as we approach the cabin and as they get closer we see it's a it's a rocking like a, a swing rocking back and forth in the wind hitting the side of the cabin. The cabin looks like a real piece of shit. <laughs> Probably should have turned around there. Um, yeah. And then Scott goes up to the cabin and reaches it up on the door jam to grab the key ring. And as soon as he touches the keys, the door jam stops swinging. And he goes to, uh, he investigates like the shed next to the cabin. It's full of like animal skulls and creepy tools hanging from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they settle in. The sun sets. Cheryl, Ash's sister, not Linda, <laughs> she's making a drawing. She's sketching the grandfather clock. And yeah. all of a sudden, the pendulum stops. And an evil voice says, join us from the woods. She 
loses control of her hands and starts drawing, like ripping a huge line in the middle of her pad, drawing what ends up being the the Necronomicon, the Book of the Spoiler. Dead. But looks a lot like SpongeBob. <laughs> in retrospect, good note. Good note. Yeah, uh, Cheryl here uh, is played by Ellen Sandvice, who is the other returning cast member from the original Within the Woods, along oh, okay. alongside Bruce Campbell. Um, does any of this cast cross over into part two, or is it just Ash? Uh, not like main cast. Um, okay. Famously, uh, Sam Raimi's younger brother Ted Raimi, who's also an, an a, a talented comedic actor in his own right, who's appeared in a lot of stuff. Famously, Joxer from Hercules and Xena. Mm-hmm. If we got any big stands out there. But he 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 plays some kind of body doubles. Like he appears in the movie multiple times as other people in Deadite makeup, uh, and is also in in Evil Dead too. But uh, I meant to say this when they're coming in, they like honk at some Hicks. Mm-hmm. Aren't those Hicks? Isn't one of them Sam Raimi or something? Yes, is that yeah? One Sam Raimi, I think, is credited as like a fisherman or something like that. Okay, yeah. Uh, but That's he also does, Sam Raimi also provides a lot of the voice work for. For the Evil Dead, also, and I should correct myself too. Uh, as we go through the series, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I just use the term "deadite." I don't think that 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 term is ever uttered in this film. If I'm not mistaken, no, it doesn't, it doesn't. Doesn't come up until the second one, right? I did start. Refer- I referred to them as deadites in my notes, but yeah, I don't, it's never said. They're just demons in this. Did I lose you? I'm still here. Yeah, I just okay, froze no, up sorry. for a second. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So they're all getting ready. They're at, Ash gives a toast to di- uh, at dinner. As a great friend of mine once said, he said, "I nis nis to terem," and they're like, "What does that mean?" Party down! The trap door <laughs> flies open. It's a trap door in the basement. So much for the partying. Yeah, they all look down into the cellar. And Cheryl, I like this. Cheryl's like, it was probably just an animal. And Scott's like, this is that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, an animal. And I was like, no, that makes plenty of sense. I think that's a good exclamation for what just happened. And yeah. I, I think, like, eventually Scott's like, yeah, yeah, it's probably an animal. Yeah. <laughs> he, he really has to, he has to neg the shit out of her first. He's, yeah, totally. Yeah. Scott's just a dick. Yes. I'll say if, if, if you're going to criticize anything about this movie, it's that the characters aren't really that well defined yes. other than Ash. Other like Scott's mm-hmm. a dick. Ash, Linda's Ash's, Ash's girlfriend. Ash is a, a coward. Ash is a coward. You know, Cheryl is an artist mm-hmm. and Ash's sister. Like there's not really yeah. much. The women especially don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Characters. We get a little bit of development with Linda. Shelly is literally just like a warm body. Uh, yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that's a fair criticism, but it's also like, I think I talked about this a little bit with Kendall last night. She'd never seen this and she watched it with me, or at least she made it through the first hour before she fell asleep. Um, and, uh, I think that like, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because I think that the, like the lack of character development you could look at as a criticism, but I think it's also indicative of what the movie wants to do and like what kind of movie it is, which is Mm -hmm. just like very stripped down and very straightforward. And the thing is, 
I think especially if you're if you're a filmmaker who's trying to make a, a like an early effort, uh, a low budget movie. One of the ways that those movies become bad very quickly is by, you know, if you mishandle character development, if you have yeah. bad dialogue, if you have bad actors, even like, yeah, uh, like, well, as you know, you've always been my sister and you've right. always been this way. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. And I think that there is a strategy sometimes in filmmaking to circumventing those things and just saying, fuck it, we're not going to do any of that. We know what we're good at and we know what's going to drive this movie. And in the case of this movie, it's like the effects, it's the it's the the scares, uh it's mm-hmm. the inventive sort of uh sh- way they shoot it. And they just don't bother getting bogged down in in any of that stuff and like and yeah, maybe we don't care about these characters that much, but they're all kind of like, you know, archetypes anyways. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. That's a great point. Um and uh, I completely agree with you and and also, I'd say, if you're making a movie, the worst thing you can be is boring. <laughs> a low-budget, boring yeah. fucking indie movie mm-hmm. is such a slog. Just make it, Keep it, make it snappy, man. Keep it moving. Make it snappy. Yeah. Um, so Scott ends up going down into the basement because he's a Mr. Tough Guy. <laughs> um, he's down there for a while. They all start getting freaked out. So Ash goes down there after him. The cellar's dark, dark and creepy as fuck. There's like slime dripping from the pipes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's thicker. It's definitely thicker than water. Um, slime is Scott, thicker than water. Slime is thicker than water, as they say. Scott's nowhere to be seen. Uh, then there's a, Ash notices there's a door and he hears something behind it. And he goes in. Boo! <laughs> Scott scares Scott. him and has a real good laugh about it. What an asshole. What an asshole. Um, so down there, there's a, a poster of the Hills have eyes on the wall. Um, which I thought was a nice little, yeah. Can, like nice like little half of a poster. Can. It's like the classic ripped poster that's still stuck to the wall by one corner. Which is actually funny because when did that movie come out? Like 70 something. Yeah. So somebody in recent past in that cabin has loved that movie. Yeah. Hung that poster up and then something happened. It got ripped, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's pretty recent. Um. So shot shotgun shows Scott gun the no Scott shows <laughs> shows Ash a shotgun by pointing it right in his fucking face and laughing like he this found this gun in the basement. Continues to be a real prick. Yeah, uh, not not proper gun handling, friend. No. Uh, and then Ash finds fucking Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. They never really referred to it as a Necronomicon in this movie. Yeah, they, I don't think they use the term Naturum Demonto. Uh, mm. and they refer to its Sumerian origins, uh, which I always thought was cool. When I was younger, I was like, yeah, ancient Sumeria, that's dope. And I think it's mostly because they mentioned it in Ghostbusters, too. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Ghostbusters <laughs> as well, not Ghostbusters 2, the original Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all creepy looking. The cover's a human face. <laughs> they have no problem touching it, though. There's creepy pictures inside. And Scott also finds like this ceremonial dagger. It's like has like a skull on it. It's very similar to the famous dagger used to kill Jason in Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. Like Price's favorite movie. Well, I mean, so right right off the bat, we'll say that both of these things, the Necronomicon and that dagger, are lifted from this series mm-hmm. or that movie. And and if you go back to that episode, we did talk about how there was initially 
going to be perhaps a planned connection between the Evil Dead franchise and the Jason franchise. That would have been cool, man. That right? would, and I, I, and so. I know there was also like after Freddy versus Jason, there was supposed to be an Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah. Jesus Christ, really having a hard time here. That would have been sick too. Yeah. Also, they find this a tape, a tape machine. Uh, then thunderstorm starts thunderstorming and lightning. Very, very frightening. They're upstairs. They're all gathered around. They play the tape they found. It's been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now, my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. It's this professor. He's, uh, he believes he found what he calls the Book of the Dead. It's bound in human flesh and inked in human blood. It deals with demons. And these enduring creatures may lie dormant, but they're never truly dead. And you can revive them by reciting this incantation. And then, Mm -hmm. did you notice this? No. Scott makes that fucking creepy UFO noise. Oh, yes. Yeah. Second movie in a row that we've covered. I fucking hate it. I mean, I know you don't like it, but people, I think people have been doing that for a long time. I've never heard somebody in real life do it. Well, but I've I th- only seen people in movies. I think that it's something older. I think it's from, you know, the 50s, the 60s, and... Maybe you know, so. Yeah, and it's just, it went away. It's no longer part of pop culture now. Please write in to uh, either at uh, killstreakpod at gmail.com or on Twitter yeah. at killstreakpod. If you've ever heard somebody in real life yeah. do this, let me know. I'm especially and curious. also shoot me some examples yeah. of this happening in movies. I'm curious, especially if you're an old head, as the kids say. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> uh, Scott, like a true fool, wants to hear the rest of the incantations. The words get spoken. And let's say the professor also a bit of a fool for reading the incantations recording and recording them both. It's yeah, like yeah. Whatever happened to the Hippocratic oath? You know. <laughs> Uh, smoke starts coming out of the ground. There's like a red light and a crack opens in the ground. Cheryl starts freaking out. Shut it off. And then a branch crashes through the window. And uh, Ash is like, Scott, you do not to play that. It's like, yeah, of course you should, should not have played that. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Um, Ash and Linda, they're going to, they're like, it's a little bit later. They're going to stay up late and listen to the storm. But he's like, well, first I got to go check on Cheryl because she's just like, you know, in in bed, hysterical. How many times in this movie do they actually clarify that they're brother and sister? Because I feel like I I forgot and then re-remembered three quarters of the way through the movie. There's like a throwaway line about his sister. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's not super clear. No. Um, And then. I noticed that this shot was out of focus too. Mm. They were like that, Ash and Linda on the couch. But like, what are you gonna do when you're when you're making movies like that? Yeah. Got to use it all. Um, he has a jewelry box and he acts like he's asleep when uh, she gets back from checking on Cheryl. And yeah, you get the total unibrow in the close up of Ash. <laughs> and uh, she opens up the jewelry box. It's a necklace with a magnifying glass. Oh, Ash, it's beautiful. I really love it. I'll never take it off. Was that a thing? Magnifying glass jewelry? I don't know. I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if she really likes it when I was mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was watching it or if she's just being nice. Yeah. I got this for you in case you want to read the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> uh, they kiss, but something is outside and it's watching them through the windows. 
It drifts around the house, looking in on the windows. We get a, a real quick flash of boobs. A little Shelly side Scott boob, and, yeah. Yeah, as Scott and Shelly are getting undressed. I forgot about that. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to see it. You know, just fill the mm-hmm. quota. Uh, never upset by a little bit of boob. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it goes over to Cheryl's window. She's brushing her hair. Join us. She looks out the window, gets freaked out. And then she fucking goes outside to check in yeah, the woods yeah. by herself. Mm-hmm. Dumb move. I mean, it's those bohemian artist types, you know? They don't know what's good for him. Yeah, it's real dumb on her part. She walks into the woods a bit. The moon looks really cool and huge in the sky. It's like superimposed there. They also use this There's exact a lot of like shot again later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Of the moon. Yeah. Um, and then we start hearing the sounds of branches and some weird moaning in the woods. Trees start falling. Uh, and there's something rushing towards her. Then the branches start snaking towards her. And then we get this the real infamous, mm-hmm. uh, no other way to put it, tree rape scene. Yeah. They wrap, it, it's uh, uncomfortable. Yeah, it they is. They wrap her up. It is, it is not pleasant to watch. And uh, is it necessary? Probably not. Yeah, stay tuned for future segments on, <laughs> on the show. Uh, they wrap her up, tear her to clothes, scratch at her, vines spread her legs, and then a fucking tree branch just like launches right into her. It's gross. Um, she's able to get away, but something's rushing at her, chasing her through the woods. She makes it back to the cabin, but the door is locked. And then she grabs the key from the jam, but it's it's stuck up there. It's like wedged in between the jam and the cabin. The thing's coming at her, coming at her. She drops a key ring, and then something grabs her hands. But it, luckily, it's Ash. Um, they, she gets inside. Like, Cheryl, did something in the woods do this to you? No, it was the woods itself. Uh, she wants to leave, rightfully so. Yeah. And really has to, like, convince <laughs> Ash to bring her right. back into town. I mean, at least she wins the argument, but Jesus, yeah, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, uh, she's, I think, uh, yeah, she's got a good point. I, I Yeah, she's like, she's like, her clothes are torn off. Something attacked her. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, no, you're buzzkill mm-hmm. right now, right. which is essentially what they do. We're trying to get drunk here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the car won't start at first and she's like, I know it's not going to start. It's not going to let us leave, but it does start. So they drive out of there and then, uh, Ash gets out to look at something and he's gone for a while and she goes out after him and the bridge is out and like the girders are curled yeah, up yeah, like a hand. Gnarled cool. up, yeah. Yeah. She freaks out. Uh, has like this meltdown in front of the headlights. It's a cool shot. It's like shot from high up, mm-hmm. like looking down at her in the he- like illuminated by the headlights. Um. So then back at the cabin, Ash is listening to more of the tape, and the professor says the only way to stop the demons is bodily dismemberment. Mm-hmm. And Linda and Shelly are playing guess the card. Linda holds up a card, and or uh, Shelly holds up a card, and Linda guesses. She guesses the seven of hearts, and it's actually the nine of diamonds. She's like, and Cheryl's like, yeah, you got it. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ash, guess what? (laughs) And he's like, Ash's like, yep, it's truly amazing, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really funny line read. Yeah. Um, Suddenly, 
Cheryl from across the room is starting to get all the cards right. She just, as Shelly holds them up, she's nailing them every single one. It gets faster and faster. And she's looking out the window and she turns around. Her fucking eyes are all blank. She's like all crazy looking. She's a deadite. Mm-hmm. She floats through the air. You will die one by one. We will take you. Uh, then she collapses to the ground and they rush in to check on her. She picks up a fucking pencil, stabs it right into Linda's ankle. It looks yeah. gnarly. They get a really good blood running down shot here of like digging the pencil in. It's really uh, it's gross. The the blood and the gore in this movie is intense. Yeah. And they do. This is, I think, an early example of a movie that uses a ton of blood, but bothers to use. uh, I mean, because there's a lot of talk, especially if you guys are more historians of horror films. Famously, like in earlier years, especially in the 70s, you get a lot of this really bright red blood. Yeah, like in Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. It's also a very Italian thing, I think. You see a lot of that with like Argento and some of the other Giallo guys. Uh and this they like they nail it. This is that perfect uh it's dark red. It's that kind of classic you do the corn syrup and uh but you do the chocolate syrup to kind of darken it, right? Yeah. Along with the red color and uh, Or you, you you put a touch of green ooh, in there. Oh, good to know. Yeah. So so like let's say you use most of the dropper mm. of red food coloring, just put like one drop of green in there, so or blue mm. to kind of like give it a little bit darker. Cool. Yeah, thank you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then she starts. Linda starts throwing everybody around the room like effortlessly. Yeah. And Scott clocks her with the butt of an axe, and knocks her into the cellar. They close the trap door and chain it up. Yeah. Ash gets tossed at one point underneath a bookshelf right here. And he mm-hmm. like it noticeably spends, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds just flailing around underneath a bookshelf, like yeah. unable to get out from underneath it. And this is the beginnings of realizing like Ash is sort of a cowardly weakling through most of this movie, mm-hmm. um, which is something that goes away over time. I mean, he is at his, at his heart. He's always a coward, but it, he he masks it more as as the series progresses. I think. Yeah, and also it's the start of like, oh, Bruce Campbell is really good at physical yes comedy. Yeah, you know, like doing physical things like this. One of the modern greats, honestly. Yeah, even in Ash vs. the Evil Dead, and he's it well into his fifties, if not sixties, mm-hmm. at this point. I'm not sure. Um, he's still doing that kind of shit. It's, yeah. it's always fun to see him flop around. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on, Cheryl's under there. She's making crazy noises, looking out from under the hatch. Scott's ready to leave all all of a sudden, but there's only a few more hours until morning. Um, and it's all shot from like Cheryl's point of view mm-hmm. underneath the hatch, like looking back and forth. It's a cool shot. Yeah. Um, Shelly's freaking out. Why does she keep making those noises? <laughs> and I do want to give a little bit of a shout out here to the the sound design in yeah. this movie. It's deeply unsettling. Yeah, and it like there are a lot of scenes I think where it borders on kind of annoying or grating, but it like it yeah. just rides the line right where it keeps you off off balance as a as a viewer and like really they do use discomfort as like a tool yes. with the sound design. Yeah, absolutely. Because all the deadites, they're always moaning, and, and especially once we get another one that 
starts giggling. That uh, yeah. is, oh, mm-hmm. God, it's so unsettling. Mm-hmm. Something's in the woods. It's moving towards the cabin. Shelly looks outside the window. Scott, I think there's something out there. And whatever's out there, it's got its eyes on Shelly now. Crashes through the window at her. She screams. Uh, she's, in a, she's in another room when this happens. Uh, Scott goes in to check on her, but she's not in there. He pokes his head out of the window. Nothing. And finally, he goes and checks in the bathroom. Um, pulls back the shower curtain. She's not there. Suddenly, she's behind him. She grabs him by the throat, scratches his face. She's a deadite now. She's a deadite now. Um, the scratch of the face is real gross. Like, it blood drips yeah. onto his teeth. And there's a gross sound effect that goes along with it, too. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting foley work. They burst in through the door into the living room. She's on top of him, screaming. He flings her off. Her face, her head lands in the fireplace. Uh, it starts to, like, smoke. Yeah. Burn. It's gross. Uh, he pulls her out, and she says, Thank you. I don't know what I would have done if I had remained in those hot coals, burning my pretty flesh. It's a weird line. <laughs> it is a weird line. <laughs> Cheryl from the basement's loving this. Oh, yeah. She's laughing and getting fucking psyched up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelly grabs Scott by the throat and he picks up. Oh, she picks up like that ceremonial dagger and tries to stab him. Then he like kind of grabs it and is able to maneuver it behind her her uh, back. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I, uh, he does do that eventually. Mm-hmm. But he grabs a knife from behind his back. Right. And saws into her hand, like partially cuts her hand off. So then she just fucking finishes the job for him and yeah. chews it off, she, chews the rest of it off. Her own hand. It's gruesome. And it's also a little like I was a little confused. I was like, wait, is she just chewing her? Hand? OK, yeah, she's going to gnaw her own hand off. And then she does. It's really fucking mm-hmm. gross. And also weird. It's really gross. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Scott stabs the, the dagger. Uh, the ceremonial dagger into her back. Mm-hmm. Uh, she starts to wail. And I blood just, starts coming from the uh, the skull's mouth. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to say, during this whole scene, in case you're wondering, Ash has once tried to help, been flung off, and this is like, there's this great recurring motif of both Ash and Scott sort of meekly trying to like grab and control the the mm-hmm. women and just getting thrown across the room. Uh, and then, yes. and then Ash ends up underneath the bookshelf again in this scene, <laughs> and he's still, and he's like struggling with the bookshelf. He can't get the bookshelf off of himself, and he's doing <laughs> jack shit while Scott is fighting her. Um, yeah, and then this moan, this moan that you're talking about, uh, it, like the screaming moan, it just goes on forever, forever. Yeah. Um. She starts shooting white stuff out of her mouth, like milk or something. It's like a little blue, a little white. It's really gross. Yeah. yeah. It comes out of her mouth and like the stump on her hand, mm-hmm. but she's not dead. Mm. She pops back up. Ash has like a, has an ax and he won't hit her. He can't yeah. do it. He can't bring himself to do it. Uh, but Scott takes it and, and, and starts fucking hacking her to pieces <laughs> Blood splashing everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It gets on the camera lens. Yeah. This movie did not receive an R rating, by the way. No, this yeah. Oh, I wanted to say, yeah, this is yeah. NC seventeen. Mm-hmm. I think our first NC seventeen on the on the podcast. Um 
so then she's just like in a bunch of quivering pieces on the ground. I just remember the way like the, everything's shaking. It's so gross. Uh, so body counts up to one, which if you ask me is pretty low. Kind of a boring <laughs> horror movie. The first kills at forty eight minutes in. <laughs> that was a funny thing about this movie. It's like, oh, this is a very low body uh-huh. count. Yeah, but it's so fucking gruesome. They make them. They make them count. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's a great line so then, here. Oh, there's a great line here. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you have it written down, but well, you, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, Ash's like, "What are we gonna do?" And Scott's like, "We're gonna bury her. We can't bury Shelly. She's a friend of ours." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the delivery is great. It's just very matter of fact. It's like, yeah. we can't bury Shelly. She's a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> She's in fucking pieces, man. The pieces aren't even really dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they do. They bury her. Yeah, I wanted to say something really quick about this, just because I kept looking at this movie through the lens of like a uh, low budget independent filmmaking, and this scene where they bury Shelley, I thought is just like it's a really smart way to do this burial scene without causing yourself a bunch of fucking hassle. So it's mm-hmm. like you get Scott and Ash outside, and each of them they put the you know bag down with the, all of the Shelley parts in it. They each dig one you know, just shovel full of dirt. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, now if you're like on a big budget movie, this is when you like cut and then you have, I don't know, PAs with a backhoe, like dig an entire fucking grave. And then, and then you cut to seeing these guys finishing the giant hole that you would bury someone in. But instead, because this is like a shoestring production, Raimi just switches. He just reverses the angle. So he's shooting from the ground. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then they just toss the bag into a hole that you never actually have to see. It's just like it's a camera from the reverse angle from the ground. The bag hits the camera. And then the next shot is them patting the dirt on top as they've finished filling in the hole. And it's like, great. You never had to dig a hole. And that's great. And it's just that that's the kind of stuff that I really love. And I love thinking about where it's just like. And I think you see this not to go on too much of a tangent, but it's like there's a lot of directors that start in this world of indie filmmaking and you love all the work that they do. And there's so many creative solutions that come from having to work without a budget. Mm -hmm. And then as the budgets get bigger and as you're able to do whatever you want, you almost lose, you lose that pressure that forces people to make interesting and creative decisions and choices. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it just gets kind of uh, slack and they sort of like, you know, and I almost feel like you see a deterioration in quality for that reason. No, having a smaller budget for a lot of people is is more creatively mm-hmm. um, is a more creative environment because yeah. you have to come up with these solutions and they end up being like very cool. If you're I mean, mm-hmm. you know. If you if you're lucky, they end up kind of adding more to the movie than right. than just like if you're like oh we got a dolly we got a fucking helicopter shot or mm-hmm. something you know like whatever the solution would be yeah on a big budget movie just having to like figure it out on the spot right. with your friends and just put your mm-hmm. brains together sometimes it's it comes out way better yeah and I think it's it it is it is the rare director that is able to kind of take full advantage and maintain a sense of creativity and curiosity and wonder with a huge budget. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but a a name that just comes to mind, somebody like James Cameron, I think 
the reason why he's such a famous and successful director is because he is one of those people who's like, even though he makes these massive, massive budget movies, like Mm -hmm. he uses all that money. He puts it all on the screen. Mm -hmm. And whereas it's like, you have a lot of guys who come from smaller starts and then it's just, it almost, you get overwhelmed by the scale of the production. Oh, I know I would. Yeah, totally. Like uh, all the movies I've ever made have been like, you know, $20,000 at most for the budget. And like, if I were given $2 million to make a movie, I mean, that's not even a lot of money to make a movie. Like I like, what? We don't need all this. <laughs> what the fuck I mean, are we gonna do with this money? I, I would happily, I would happily direct a five million dollar movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, a fifty million dollar movie that makes me start to sweat a little bit. And then when you get yeah, like yeah, modern blockbusters, totally. it's just like holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of the Marvel guys, directors, you know, they get indie directors, mm-hmm. but they have another team that directs all of the action. Right. Yeah. So like Taika Waititi. Waititi or whatever, mm-hmm. Waititi. Yeah, you nailed it. Waititi. He's not really like there. I mean, he's there, obviously. Yeah. But he's not like, oh, Iron Man. He blasts off into space, and then like, you know, he's not directing all of this like mm-hmm. fucking crazy CGI bullshit that right. ends up being on the screen. Right. He's doing the scenes in between. Yeah, and he gets to do oversight of that stuff as the director. Right. But yeah, it's like there are people who that's their entire skill set is making scenes like that work. Um, so they bury, they bury her, then they're back at the cabin. And Scott's like, I'm getting out of here. And Ash like, we can't take Linda with her leg like that. And Scott's like, well, let's just leave her then. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. I don't care what happens to her. She's your girlfriend. You take care of her. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in a situation like that, I kind of get it. It's a real prick yeah. move, but it's also like, I don't know. People are dying. It's like, Hey man, yeah. that's your problem. Not mine. <laughs> also is her leg that bad she just got stabbed in the yeah. i mean it's gonna be painful but yeah whatever uh so scott goes off by himself into the woods ash checks on linda he pulls up the blanket um she's in bed she he pulls up the blanket to to look at her leg and we get a fucking stop motion spider web of like black mm-hmm. coming from the hole in her in her ankle yeah. and and i won't spoil it because we'll talk about it in the next movie but this is one of a handful of moments that I I really liked and also I like I can see what the how this was the the genesis of something else that appears in the next film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the bridge being an example of another one and just like really specific moments that they kind of they expanded on with the bigger budget in Evil Dead 2. Right. Um, so she, her eyes pop open. She smiles. She's a deadite now. Mm-hmm. And she, she's the one who has the crazy baby laugh. Yeah. And like baby voice. And it is scary. Yeah. She just sits in a doorway for like a, like a whole scene and just like laughs maniacally. Just laughs. And it's really unnerving. It really, really is. Uh, and then suddenly Scott's back. He's all fucked up. He's got a fucking <laughs> bone coming out of his arm. <laughs> yeah. He's, gnar- he's got, like stabbed in the stomach with a branch. Uh-huh. And and there's another really good line here. I don't know if you have a line written down. Um uh I don't I don't know, maybe potentially. Uh well, go ahead. It's just Ash is like trying sort of like doing some half-assed caretaking with Scott who is clearly like completely fucked and yeah. in the same delivery as like you, if Shelly's a friend of ours, he's like, you're going to be just fine. You'll see. 
And like, <laughs> uh, the way he says, you'll see. And you can feel it like it's he's taking. I mean, we talked about this in sort of a negative light in past weeks, but I do want to also give some credit to the way that I think Bruce Campbell and his performances and also Sam Raimi and his directing, like they pull from a lot of classic cinema and specifically mm-hmm. like classic comedy. Like they love the three stooges. There's so much of that. And like, we're going to do dead by dawn next week. And it's like, it's a fucking three stooges movie and it's great. And I think at a mm-hmm. certain point we maybe just got sick of it. Um, but it's like the ashes line deliveries. It's like, they have this very classic feel to them. I feel like he's almost taking yeah. a lot of his acting inspiration from like forties, like matinee idols and that kind of stuff. It's almost yeah. like a, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, um, what a Humphrey Bogart read almost like you're going to be just fine. You'll see. Um, yeah, that's totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Ash, I don't want to die. You're not going to leave me. Are you Ash? Like, Scott's just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. you were just ready to leave everybody. Yeah. Now things, asshole. things have really changed real fast. <laughs> Linda's just sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor, giggling. Mm-hmm. Cheryl's down, down in the basement, mocking him. Like, you're not going to leave me. Ash. <laughs> Making fun of him. <laughs> Uh, he talks about how the tree, he found a trail, but the trees attacked him. Uh, Linda won't stop laughing, so Ash slaps her around a bit. Then he pulls a shotgun on her, but he can't bring himself to shoot her. And she turns back to normal. Then Cheryl's normal, too, downstairs. Ash, you should let us out. So Ash goes to unlock her, unlock the basement. And her hands burst through the floor and grab him. Oh, you bastards! Why are you torturing me like this? Why? And Linda's back to her giggling. She starts singing a song. It's like, we're going to get you. And so he drags her outside and leaves her there. It's kind of a cool shot. She's just like in this pool of light mm-hmm. and just kind of like yeah. on the ground, sort of like that painting uh, that like, like Clara Christine's world or whatever it is. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, I don't. Oh. Yeah, but she's just sitting there giggling. And I, wrote, I think she's the scariest one to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so he's back inside. He's trying to give Scott water. He pours it, he pours it water into his mouth, and it just kind of dribbles out. <laughs> he's, he's fucking dead. Yeah. But the whole time, he's like, all right, we're going to get you out of here, buddy. It's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might be where he delivers the line I was talking about. I'm not sure. but Oh, maybe. Either yeah. way, it made me laugh. Uh, so body count's now up to two. And suddenly, Linda's in there. She stabs Ash in the arm with the dagger. They fight. During the fight, Cheryl grabs his foot from the trap door. Um, and he, he uh, oh, okay. So yeah, Ash, this is the part I was talking about. Ash like positions the dagger behind Linda's back. Mm-hmm. So she's like going to stab her own back, essentially. He pushes her over. She falls over, stabs her through the back. She sprays hot milk out of her mouth. <laughs> it's hot as fuck. Hot as fuck. <laughs> and there's a cool shot where she's like dragging her, her body along the ground mm-hmm. outside. It goes by the trap door with Cheryl just like peeking out from underneath. Yeah. Chains her up in the shed, whips out that big red chainsaw, fires it up. He's going to dismember her. But then he sees that necklace that he gave her, and he just can't do it. And he cries like an idiot bitch over her body. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Famously, this shed scene 
while the majority of the film is edited by a woman named Edna Paul out of Detroit, uh, this scene was cut by her assistant at the time, one Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers. Oh. Um, and his work uh, with her on this movie is how he was introduced to Sam Raimi and Rob Tapert, uh, the producer, and Bruce Campbell, and they became friends. They worked on a number of things together. And famously, also the the proof of concept approach that they used to with within the woods, uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen were inspired by and adopted that to get Blood Simple made. So, oh, nice! Yeah, so a lot of connections between the Coens and this crew over the years. I really like Blood Simple. Do you like that movie? Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Movies fucking rules. There aren't a lot of bad Coen Brothers movies. No, there really aren't. I mean, the I never saw the Lady Killers. It's not great. I heard that's, it wasn't good. It's the worst one, I think. Uh, and like Intolerable Cruelty, I never saw. It's fun. I I, I like that movie. Okay, I mean, I, I, mean, I it's, bet it's I've one seen of all their, the others. It's one of their worst, but it's like I don't know. It's a fun, forgettable movie. You know. Yeah. Um, and so, oh, he brings her intact body outside to bury, but of course she's not dead. Yeah. Her eyes pop open. Inside, Cheryl finally busts out of the trap door. Um, busting out. (laughs) So, busting out. Ash didn't see, uh, Linda's eyes pop open, but he, he puts her in the grave and buries her. Then he goes to pick the necklace off the ground. And then she reaches out of the dirt and grabs his hand, uh, scratches the shit out of his leg. It's yeah. real brutal. I will say, like, this is not a movie where I'm at all interested in picking apart the logic of it. But he gets pretty fucked up by her here. And yeah. it does beg some questions about, like, wait, so when and why do people turn into the evil dead? Right? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah, because he's suffered as much abuse at this point now as almost anyone else, except for Scott, I guess. But it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, Shelly just turned because the thing decided to make her evil, right? Um, right, yeah. And then I think it's, it's that, when that thing comes at you in the woods. Yeah, I think that's the idea. And I, I guess just the vagaries of why they're deciding to taunt and try to kill Ash as opposed to just turning him into one of them leaves some questions, but, you know, certainly doesn't totally. take me out of my enjoyment of the movie. Totally. Um, He grabs some sort of beam or whatever and starts and bashes the hell out of her. It's huge. I don't think the, it's huge. the prop that they used perhaps doesn't have quite enough weight to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he ends up hacking. She like jumps through the air at him. He takes a shovel and hacks her head off with a shovel. Her, her headless body lands on him and sprays blood all over his face. So much blood. Yeah. So much blood. The head's still squealing. Mm-hmm. And this, um, this is like, these are the real roots of, of like his performance in the, in the second movie with just him being sprayed with comical amounts of blood and yes. just like the takes that he does, like his reactions are great. It's just like getting it in his mouth and just being like, oh God, oh no. Like that's like, he plays that so well. Um, I guess, yeah, I didn't write it, but I guess that would be uh body count three. Sure. Yeah. Um, back at the cabin, the trap door is open. Uh, he grabs a shotgun, but gets like surprised by Cheryl. He shoots her in the shoulder, and I, I wrote, "I cannot stress how much blood there is in this movie." Like anytime somebody gets shot or yeah. stabbed, so much fucking blood comes out. Yeah. 
uh, he has like he smashes her fingers with the butt of the gun. It's gross. Yeah, they use like a little fake hand, and he like just really mangles the shit out of it. Yeah, and he's like shells. Where do you keep the sh- box of shells? It's in the basement. So he goes down into the basement. Uh, that pipe that was leaking slime is now blood's dripping from it, mm-hmm. and it bursts, and blood starts flooding the room. Blood fills a light bulb. A record player fires up and it's playing this like ragtime song. Like uh, a movie projector starts going and then he's hearing things. He grabs the shells and the projector explodes. The light bulb explodes. There's like he's ankle deep in blood in the ground. Uh, he goes upstairs. The grandfather clock's going nuts and he opens the front door. Something outside rushes at him. The wind kicks up, closes the door. The shutters are going nuts. They're flopping. Mm-hmm. They're closing and opening. And this is a real hallmark of this uh, of this series is just like this ascending chaos and just like mm-hmm. noise and movement. And it, and again, we talked about it earlier. It's very like unnerving uh, and just like really energetic and chaotic. And it's great. And this is like my favorite part of the movie when mm-hmm. the shit just starts going crazy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. Um, so he's looking into a mirror at himself. He touches it. It's liquid. He starts screaming <laughs> <laughs> like it's like water. Like, yeah. um, his hand goes right through it. Uh, there's a lot of him freaking out in the living room, looking around. And then he, he pulls Linda's necklace out of his pocket and the clock stops. And then Cheryl grabs him through the door. Her like hands come on either side of him and grab him. And you can clearly see that they're gloves. And in one of the shots, you can see fingers, like the thing, like mm-hmm. the gloves are torn away. Yeah. You can see finger, like regular fingers coming yeah. through. Um, he shoots her in the face with a shotgun. Great. Blows part burst. of her face yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was funny. He drags something over to the front door to block it. Yeah. But the windows right next to it, it's about as, <laughs> big as the door yeah. and it's broken wide open right <laughs> classic ash sucking it everything <laughs> uh and then scott's there he, he's a deadite now ash and scott struggle during the struggle the book of the dead gets flung towards the fireplace and then scott picks him up by the throat i notice i i think it's supposed to look like scott has no nose mm-hmm. but it looks like he has a dog nose interesting I just thought his nose was fucked up, I guess. Maybe, yeah, but it looks like the texture and color of a dog's nose. Okay. Um, And Ash jams his thumbs into Scott's eyes. And I can't stress enough how thick and red the blood is that comes (laughs) out. It is so fucking gross. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) And then Ash reaches and pulls the branch out from Scott's belly. And you hear like this jug and a stopper, a stopper and a jug, like <laughs> bloop. Yeah. And blood just gushes out. And Scott's starting to smoke. And we see that the book of the dead next to the fireplace is starting to catch on fire and smoking. So Ash makes that connection that if something happens to the book, something happens to the deadites. Mm-hmm. Cheryl bursts in. He struggles to get the book, but he can't reach it. Scott grabs him by the ankle. He's pulling him away. He grabs Linda's necklace and he uses it to try to hook the book. Uh, Cheryl picks up a fire poker and starts like 
hitting him in the back with it. He's yeah. screaming. Scott bites his ankle. Yeah, just all the punishment you can dole out. This is yeah. this is the heart of the Evil Dead franchise. It's just Bruce Campbell getting the shit kicked out. Getting of him. the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. He finally hooks the book. He tosses it into the fire. All the deadites freeze. Uh, Cheryl drops the poker, like sticks right next to his face. And then we get this fucking sweet stop motion, like deadite decomposing. Yeah, it's like a lot of almost claymation and just some really good creative gross effects. Uh, They don't all work, but enough of them do that it's just like it's fun no matter what. It's fun no matter what. The one that doesn't work the most is the face on the book. Yeah. Has like a, a tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like licking around. Uh, and then everything goes quiet, like oatmeal <laughs> or something starts coming out of really gross. Yeah. Scott's sleeve. And then hands burnt, like demon hands huge. burst out of the bodies. Yeah. Huge, huge hands. Like, like, yeah. like a palm the size of someone's chest almost. Yes. Yep. Um, and there's a really great shot. It's of Cheryl. Like her body, her face is all decomposed mm-hmm. and like her jaws hanging open. And it like, I don't know how to describe it. Like the camera is fixed on her face as mm-hmm. she falls forward. And then she hits the, she hits the ground and bursts apart. Yeah. It's really disgusting. And then we hear join us. And I guess the body counts up to four <laughs> at this yeah, point. I mean, everybody but Ash is dead. So yeah, I don't yeah. know exactly when we got there, but we got there. We got there. Um, and I do want to do a quick shout out, just like the special effects here are all done by a guy named Tom Sullivan, who was also friends with everybody from Michigan and Michigan State. Um, and he did also do effects on Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. And the only other really big movie he ever did was The Fly 2. Oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so then Ash gets up. He's covered in blood, all fucked up. The clock's going again. The sun's rising, shining through the windows. He opens a door, and then from deep in the woods, something starts rushing at him. Yeah, this is the bicycle the ca- shot. Yeah. Oh, this is the bicycle shot? Yeah, yeah. Go- it bursts through the cabin, and then he turns around, gets him, he screams. End of the movie. Yeah. That's yep. it. Man, I think we can get through this. I think we can, uh, let's see. So. This movie is, uh, you know, it's almost 40 years old at this point. <laughs> Moments that have aged the worst. Uh, I kind of til- uh, uh, showed my hand a little bit about mine. Yeah. Did you have something else or are, no, are we in agreement? No, I think we can be in total agreement here because I think it sticks out so much over anything else in the movie that, yeah, the tree rape scene. Uh, yeah. It just doesn't play well. It's pretty. It's exploit- unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very exploitative. It like it has a gross feel to it. Uh, yeah yeah and i think yeah and the trees could have easily have just hurt her they right. didn't need to they didn't need to go that way yeah um, agreed <laughs> uh this is actually a very hard one for me best death because sure. all nobody really like dies quickly mm-hmm. it's always very long and drawn out and right and, and does anyone really even like in you could almost make the argument that like for actual finite deaths where they don't come back to life you really just have shelly and then you have i mean i you have shelly and linda you only have three right shelly by herself linda by herself 
and then Scott and uh, Cheryl. Cheryl together. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I think I'll go with if I have to consider each one separately and not just like the big stop motion stuff at the end, then I will say that the, <laughs> the grossest one that I got the most kick out of was Scott when, with the mm. eye with the eye punch out followed by <sighs> the pretty phallic like tree limb removal and 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 like draining of all life fluid. I think that one worked for me pretty well. Yeah, that yeah. that is a really good one. Um yeah, it's tough. I I do like the way all of uh Shelly or Cheryl's I don't know, whoever they cut up, the way it all she- looks. Shelly, yeah. Shelly. Mm-hmm. That looks pretty fucking sweet. It's real gross. Um I might just punt this one. I'm not really sure. I don't really I don't think I have a satisfactory well, answer. Well, how about I mean, do you want to say like is the most satisfactory death like the sort of dissolving by a stop motion of Scott? And- yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say. Yeah. Um but then I overthought it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, so on the Carpenter scale, we here at Killstreak like to rate our movies, um, how scary they are uh, as they relate to the filmography of the director, John Carpenter. We just recently mm-hmm. uh, refined our scale a little bit by Patch. catching up on some yeah, we patched unseen a movies. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we read we we've seen the download numbers. We've heard you loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were pumped. To yeah. watch uh, Village of the Damned. <laughs> um, so um, you be sure we'll be bringing that one back next Halloween. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Eric, do you have a first nominee for the Carpenter scale? How scary is this movie? I do. Um, I'm going to see. See. I'm going to say, for me, mm-hmm. this movie, very high. Yeah. Maybe the highest. I might have to go with the thing for this for this movie. Wow. I mean, this is one of the few movies, mm-hmm. horror movies, along with Blair Witch, along yeah. with the thing in Halloween, where I actually do think they're scary. Yeah. I I have to get in my little time machine and go back to the first time I saw this. Because I do think that I need to start acknowledging I'm a little jaded. These, yes, of course. These mm-hmm. days, at, at my slightly advanced age, and uh, I'll go with you. I will go with you because when I first saw the Evil Dead, I remember thinking part of the reason I didn't like it is because it was scarier than Evil Dead Two, <laughs> and I was still young enough that like the idea of like a movie being too scary was a thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I could enjoy it less because it scared me too much, and I think that this movie came close. Um, yeah, so I don't know that I would say it's not scarier than the thing, but I think that I think that you're right. I think that that is about where it lands. Yeah, I I agree, man. Like I've said it before when we've given this rating out, that's not going to happen very often here on Kill Streak. So this is one yeah. of the few. This yeah. is one of the few. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, Mary fuck kill. I mean, <laughs> We're really, I think it's yeah. pretty clear. This is a total Mary for me. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute Mary. And, you know, this series is going to be interesting because it's going to come down to some real fine uh, gradations 
between the quality of these movies because, um, I mean, I'll just say it right now. It's like we've had this conversation on the podcast a little bit before. Evil Dead is a series that gets thrown out there as an answer to the question, are there any horror franchises that are good all the way through? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think this is one of them. And so, yes, of course, this is a Mary. And the only real question is, how does it stand up to its, uh, you know, siblings, as you if you will, in the franchise itself? And that's the big question that I am interested to try to answer over the course of the next three movies. Me too, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, I have a surprise segment for Price that I'm I'm excited to unveil. (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah. I can't do it. (laughs) That's why you hate it, because you can't do it. Drink too much whiskey in my days. (laughs) We'll be back. Okay, we're back. Um, As I said before, Price has no idea what I am about to spring upon him. Uh, So a little history, of course, The Evil Dead. Classic horror movie. Um. You know, at the time and since it since uh, it's been released, critics typically haven't been always kind to horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think another genre of movie that similarly gets bashed a lot is pornographic films. It's <laughs> oh, taken taken seriously, you oh, know. No. Um, so, as some of you may be aware, there is a porn parody. It's a two and a half hour long porn parody what? yeah of the evil dead okay. called the evil head oh boy have you seen this movie no i have not i haven't either okay uh it's a it's a burning angel joint it stars <laughs> joanna angel okay. tommy pistol who so this is, is also in another this, idea love story life yeah so this is not from the era of evil dead this is made much no. later okay. this is made much later Okay. By fans of the movie, uh-huh. um, I know Tommy, and he's a big horror horror movie fan. Yeah, uh, you know, so I, I've never seen it. I don't think I will see it. It, it. Some I'm friends with some of the people in it, so that always makes it dicey. When, when I don't just, just super just kind of avoid to watch them have sex. No, uh, it just feels weird. Um, so what I'm about to do is quiz you. I'm going to read an expert an excerpt from a review. And you have to tell me if it is 1981's The Evil Dead or 2007 The Evil Head. Okay. Okay. I, f- I feel like I should do well. We'll see, though. We'll see. Uh, so I think I'm going to call this segment Head to Dead. Head to Dead. Okay. Like head to head only. Not. I, I, okay. I, I, okay. I get it. Yeah. First up. There's copious amounts of blood and other fluids splattered about. Some decent rudimentary animation. I do give the filmmakers of this film, or the makers of this film, credit for going all out in terms of over-the-top gore. I will say, I did make some edits in the reviews. Okay. Just to, like, really make it not apparent Mm -hmm. which movie. Okay. So, do you think that is about Evil Head or Evil Dead? Um... Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, a description of Evil Dead, and I will be—I—I'm going to be pleasantly surprised if I find out that there's some decent animation 
in the evil head. So I'm going to go with the evil, evil dead, the original. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's the ain't it cool news review of the evil head. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, now I'm a little more interested in seeing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, question two. Mm-hmm. There's no plot beyond the broadest cliches. The characters barely exist. The dialogue is flat. The performances charmingly unpolished at best. Uh, boy. Okay. Well, this is going to be harder than I thought because, yeah, that definitely sounds like the movie. <laughs> but it also sounds like really most adult films. Um, so I'm just going to play the law of averages and I'm going to go with the evil dead again and hope that I get it right this time. You are correct. That Ooh. is a uh, AV Club review of The Evil Dead. Uh, it does. It is a favorable review, but mm-hmm. you know, starts out critical of some of the performances. Sure. Yeah, the acting performances are not what draw you to this film. Exactly. Okay. Next one. The sheer passion, the ingenuity of them wanting to make this movie a classic. <laughs> Uh, um, I mean passion sounds like the evil head I'm going to go with the evil head I am so sorry that is Chris Stuckman from ChrisStuckman.com's review of (laughs) Evil Dead wait Stuckman said that Stuckman said that. Chris Stuckman? Right. The Chris Stuckman? The Chris Stuckman. So you got one right so far. Let's see if you can pick it up in these next two questions. All right. Yeah. Maybe I can finish above 500. Yeah. He licked her and her a bit. The bloody duo trading from, from her to inhale his aggressively. <laughs> from there, Joanna on his like she was on fire. The mix of horrific elements with a sheer passion oh making it stand out as especially strokeable. She took his okay, no, in no, her mouth. <laughs> There's something wrong with you. Uh, this is a popular movie, too. Like, a lot of people are probably going to listen to this episode, you know? <laughs> Fucking hell. Is it the evil head, Eric? Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, that is evil head from xcritic.com. Jeez. Okay. And finally, last question. Yeah. So far, you have two right. Okay, great. I know we're supposed to focus on the sex, but the movie's pretty good. She's really rather scary looking. He bends her over... <laughs> He, he bends her over at the table and <laughs> her from behind. Even with all the makeup on, her looks good. And she seems to like his almost as much as the woods outside. <laughs> you want me to continue? No, I don't. I really don't. He no, 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 no. We're good. We're good. We're good. We got it. <laughs> evil head. It's the evil head. Yeah. Oh, correct. That is Evil Head, the review by Rogers, RogerReviews.com. Roger T. Pipe is the reviewer. 
Uh, so I I had that one pinned as another Stuckman review. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, there you go. That is head to dead. And uh Price, I gotta say, you're victorious. You got three out of the five questions. Jesus. Uh, congratulations. And congratulations to our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh you guys. Uh cool. Very cool. Very cool, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, Price has got to get out of here, so let's do some housekeeping real quick. Uh, please write us a review on iTunes. Maybe not based on that last segment, but you know, based on the rest of this episode so far. Yeah, we do. I mean, it is listed on Apple Podcasts as an explicit podcast, so at least there's there you go. That. Yeah. Um, and you can follow us on at Twitter at Killstreak Pod. Uh, on Instagram, I'm gonna start <clears throat> posting on Instagram more often. Um, it's also at KillstreakPod, and uh, or you can write to us at KillstreakPod at gmail dot com. You can ask mm-hmm. us any anything really. AMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we will be back next Monday with Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. Uh, it's a great film. Very excited to cover that one as well. Uh, yeah, so stick around all month for Evil Dead. Uh, I'm pumped. Yeah, me too, man. I'm really excited to watch the next movie. Um, all right, guys, we love you. And as always, thank you. I don't know what I would have done if you had remained on those hot coals burning my pretty flesh. (laughs) 